Hello, I am Riley Wilson, and welcome to the Band of One podcast. This podcast is created to help anyone who wants to be a more successful solo performer or become a solo performer and avoid a lot of the pratfalls and mistakes myself and some of my contemporaries have made. I have over 50 years of live performance experience and will also include tips from other top pros worldwide who've done the same thing in their regions. My desire is to make this actionable as well as entertaining. If you like what we do, subscribe and don't forget to share it. Let's get busy. Okay, so a couple of things I want to talk about here in Lesson 3 or Episode 3. First of all, the music. I decided that we needed some bumper music for the uh, podcast intro and outro. And I sat down with a recently purchased Breedlove acoustic guitar, just plugged it into my uh, my recording gear, which is Logic Pro, and didn't even bother to put a mic on it. So that's basically one track for the rhythm guitar and one track for the melody, and it seemed to work. I didn't want to do anything terribly fancy. And in fact, there are some clams in it. I'm not worried about that, because if you worry about this mistake or that mistake, you'll never get off the ground. And I deliberately left that on there as our podcast intro and outro. And uh, it's a piece called uh, Sunday's Walk. And uh, anyway, so that's the deal with that. We've got some great guests lined up that I'm very excited to go over with you in the coming weeks. But let's talk about last time. Our first podcast episode, you remember that the actionable item was to get 10, 15, maybe 20 tunes that you feel comfortable in performing. The second one was to videotape what you've got, kind of find out what works and what doesn't. This week, we're going to talk about actually approaching somebody about getting hired to play a gig. Now, there's several ways you could do this. Probably the easiest is to go sign up for an open mic night. Now, if you're a piano player and they don't have a piano, that might make it a little bit more difficult. I'm going to leave you to some suggestions about how to find a gig to play. One of the great ones, of course, is to find out the next time you have friends that are uh, having a party and offer to play for an hour for free. Often, playing for free can lead you into additional work. For example, when I moved to Texas, my wife and I moved to, at the time, a little town called Frisco, about 30 miles north of Dallas. Frisco at the time had 18,000 people in about three restaurants. While my wife and I were actually signing the paperwork to buy our home, I talked to the loan officer who suggested that I might talk to a particular restaurant in town. And uh, I went in there and talked to them. It was a steakhouse. And uh, I told them, hey, look, here's what I'll do. Be happy to come in and play for an hour on Friday night. If you like what I do, and only if you like what I do, I'll take $25 an hour and any tips I get, I keep. If you don't like what I do, I'll be happy to leave and it won't cost you a penny. Well, the great thing about that offer is that it didn't cost them anything. I got this idea actually from an old friend of mine named Michael Quagliano, who was a booking agent here in Dallas-Fort Worth for many, many years. And Michael said that anytime he approached a restaurant, he said, hey, I'm going to come in and play for you for an hour for free if you'd like me to do so. And if uh, you like what I do, um, it'll be 25 bucks, any tips I get, I keep. And if you can throw in something to eat, that would be great. And Michael worked Italian restaurants here for many, many years until he actually became a published author. And he's quite successful with that business. But he played for many years for restaurants. And as I said, the great thing about a restaurant is that if you've got a little bit of videotape to share, maybe you've actually practiced something or you've played something that you've got a videotape, simply go in there and show the owner. Now, we didn't have video available or I didn't have a cell phone with video on it in 1996 when we moved here. And 
You might want to ask for a little bit more than $25 an hour now, but the point of the matter is, is to simply open your mouth and get in front of somebody and say, hey, here's what I do. Would this be of interest to you? One of the things that Michael reminded me about when I first started talking to restaurants and uh, not just uh, this particular steakhouse in Frisco, but other places, he said, I'm not going to pack your restaurant if it's not packed right now. What I will do is I'll make the time that the clients or your guests are in your restaurant more enjoyable and chances are good they may come back and bring their friends in the future. And I think that's probably a good way of doing it. As this, we've talked a lot about restaurants, you can also talk about performing at a club. Now, a club might be a little bit more risky. I say that very loosely because it assumes that there might be some people in there listening, uh, which is never a bad thing. Again, think about your act. Think about where you'd like to do this and, and how you'd like to approach it. Another great place to play is a farmer's market or a flea market. Again, the whole purpose is to help drum up business for the vendors that are already there. And there are some people that can go out in an environment like that and make a lot of money. You're welcome, of course, to just stand on a street corner as what the, what the English call busking, which is basically set up and start playing and see what happens. I find it interesting. My wife has uh, uh, encouraged me over the years, and we got hooked on watching both The Voice and America's Got Talent and all that. And some of the people that come to those shows have actually had years where they played for some time as a busker or performing for free. The Allman Brothers Band, they actually would set up in the park and play for free back in 1968-69 in Jacksonville, Florida, or in Macon, Georgia, where they eventually ended up being. So if you play for free, there's literally no pressure on you. The idea is simply to get what you do out in front of other people. There are a couple of things about, let's say you've landed a gig of some sort, maybe an open mic, maybe you're just going to set up on a street corner, Maybe you're going to go set up outside the mall or any number of things. I can't provide you every possible place you could get that first gig, but the idea is to think carefully and think outside the box, maybe while you're taking your morning walk or exercising or swimming or whatever it is that you do physically. And I recommend if you're a solo performer that you do some sort of physical activity at least four or five days a week. It will pay off in several different ways. While you're doing that, maybe think about and woodshed in your mind some places that you think might be interested in hiring you. Once you've got that happening, then it's up to you to take that as far as you feel comfortable in doing. If you're going to play at a restaurant for an hour, you don't have to tell people, hey, come in, I'm playing at this restaurant. You might want to do the first one just to kind of see how it goes. But give yourself an opportunity to get out and perform and, and get that first gig underneath your, your, your belt, if you will. Once you've done that, you'll find so many things that are amazing that you have learned as a result of that experience. A couple little things that I would suggest. I feel like it is important to dress up as a performer, regardless of what it is that you're doing. Even if you're going to go stand out on the street corner, wear a colorful or interesting outfit. Wear something that separates you from the average person. The first band that I ever worked with over almost 50 years ago now in North Carolina they always wanted to dress better to outdress the audience that had come to see them. And I think that's a good way to do it. You know, if you go to see a, a major recording act, chances are good they're not wearing what they rode on the bus all the day to get to the venue in. They're probably dressed up in something. Again, it's show business. I remember reading a, a little blurb from uh, G.E. Smith when he was married briefly to the late actress Gilda Radner. And she told him that it's show business, which means you have to show your business. 
or you have to show that you mean business. So preparing for and dressing for a, a gig is a great idea. Be prepared. And let's talk about setup and arrival and all those sorts of things. If you're at a restaurant, still a good idea to get there 15 or 20 minutes early. Perhaps get a glass of water if you need to use the restroom or wash your hands or whatever. But the idea is to be prepared if you're starting at 7 p.m. Get there by 6.30 to 6.45 p.m. and be ready to go on time. Too many musicians wait until the last second to arrive at a venue and then they don't play their best because they're rushed and they're hurried and they're not relaxed. And again, for those first gigs, you want to be sure and get there in plenty of time. Every gig is going to be a little bit different. If you're playing a piano at a restaurant and there's no microphone, you really can't talk to an audience, so you don't have to worry about that. If you're playing out on a street corner and you want to say, hey, my name is so-and-so and and, uh, thanks for listening, here's my tip jar, that's all you need. Yeah, let's talk about the tip jar for just a minute. There's some kinds of gigs, some corporate gigs or even private gigs where I've been asked not to put one out. But I always have business cards and I usually have a tip jar. I also seed the tip jar with a $1 bill and a $5 bill to let anybody know that's coming to see me that someone has already tipped me beforehand, whether in fact they have or not. But I think a tip jar is a great idea. We'll talk later on about signs that you can erect behind yourself, QR codes, putting up links to a Venmo or Cash App site where somebody can simply look at you your, your background or whatever it is and, and to be able to pay you online if they want. At a gig recently, somebody took me $20 on Venmo and that will happen a lot more in the new year because I'll be having a sign behind me that'll have all that information on there. So a tip jar is probably a good idea. Business cards, let's talk about that. These are just some little basic marketing things that are not a bad idea. You don't necessarily have to have them for that very first gig, but I think going forward, it would be, it would be a very good thing. One company that I like a lot is Vistaprint. I bought business cards from them for probably 15 or 20 years. You can get 100 business cards for probably $5 or less. And when you have a business card, I think the important thing on there is to put your name, telephone number, and an email address where people can get in touch with you. If you have a web page, and we'll address that later on, that's something you can include if you want. But at the very least, a business card should have your name, a little bit about what you do, It should have your phone number and your email address. And people should be able to get in touch with you as a result of that because somebody may listen to you and say, this is exactly what I need for an event coming up later in the year. It's January as I'm recording this. And uh, so this information, again, is pretty much timeless because it works year round. But once you've got some basic little things, you can use that first gig to start booking the next one. There's a lady who works with folks that are trying to be better employed in our church, and she said that the best time or the the time to look for your next job is when you land the current one. Again, a good musician, a good self-employed person, a good business entrepreneur, which is what we're speaking about, will always be looking for ideas about how they can book that next gig. I always thank people for listening when I'm performing and tell them that I've got a tip jar and cards, and if they'd like to get in touch with me, please get one and do so. So some basic marketing is is a good idea. Again, as I said, it, it depends upon what kind of job you're doing. If you're playing an open mic for the first time, that might not be appropriate. But understand that some basic marketing things like a business card, uh, like an email address, a, a little tip jar. I've got two or three different sizes of tip jars. For example, with my small rig, I've got a little plastic jar that's got a lid on it so that once I'm done with the gig, I can seal the lid or shut the lid and the tip money doesn't fall out. 
trust me, that kind of thing can happen if you're not careful. I've got a bigger tip jar that I use with a bigger system. And then if I'm playing a, a, a open-to-the-public restaurant, I have a really big plastic bucket tip jar with written tips on it. In fact, a funny story, I was playing a Halloween party in Dallas this past year. Some of the kids in this neighborhood, this neighborhood party ended up having probably three or 4,000 people going up and down the street where I was performing. And some of the kids decided they would give me candy instead of tipping me, which was fine. Point being is that you might want to be a little flexible with something like a tip jar. But the, the big takeaway from this lesson today is I'd like for you to start talking to people about performing. For some of you, this is all old hat, and some of you already know all of this information, which is great. I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. I don't know how many of you listening to this podcast, for example, are already in a band. And I've been thinking, you know, I'm just really tired of dealing with the the keyboard player or the drummer or whatever like that. I'd really just like to do some stuff on my own. I'm giving you a lot of ammo and a lot of information about how you can take your musical career and direct it exactly the way you want, exactly where you want, and exactly how you want. Now, once you play that first gig, I'm going to encourage you to do what we've talked about before, which is to sit down with yourself. You might want to write this down on a piece of paper, or if you don't want to do that, you can turn on the uh, the audio recording uh, feature on your smartphone and just say, so what did I do right? Okay, I did this, this, and this. Those things went well, and people applauded, or this went well. Now, what should I have done differently? Uh, I just finished a New Year's Eve gig in Dallas, and there were some things that I could have done differently on that gig after all these years. And so I make notes about that. I actually put those notes in my calendar so that the next time I'm booked, I can go back into my iCal on my Macintosh computer and say, what did I wear last time? What did I play last time? Oh, okay, they liked this, but they didn't care for that. And those sorts of things really help me to have the ammo I need to do a better job the next time I'm hired than the previous time even if it's for the same client, and especially if it's for the same client. I want to wrap up today with some information from a guy named Steve Stroud. Steve Stroud is a piano player that I mentioned briefly in our very first podcast episode. He's a tremendous piano player, a really nice guy, and was very helpful to me when I first moved to Dallas back in 1996. He had a standing gig at the Wyndham Anatole, which is one of the biggest hotels probably in our nation. It's a, one, it's a huge hotel here in, in Dallas. And I remember going by to see him one time as he was playing his gig and he had a tip jar full with money and people were sitting around and he was nice enough. He could actually play flawlessly and have a conversation with me at the same time, which I thought was impressive. I can't do that playing guitar and singing, but Steve could could do that. And I asked him, I said, Steve, you've been doing this for a long time. He'd been doing that, I think, that gig probably 10 or 15 years. And the Anatole is very much a professional hotel that has a lot of clients from out of state, even out of the United States that go and stay there. I said, Steve, how have you managed to keep this gig over these years? And he said, you just got to be disciplined to learn new material, man. He said, show up on time, be a nice person. He said, be flexible and always be learning new material. He said, you want to make it easy for people to like what you do. And I thought that was wonderful advice. You always want to make it easy for people to like what you do. And if you do that, you're going to have a lot of success as a solo performer. That's all I've got time for or energy for today. You've been listening to the Band of One podcast. Again, I'm Riley Wilson, and thank you for joining us. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, we'd love to hear from you. 
Get in touch with us at your convenience. You can also contact me directly through my webpage at guitarmadesimpler.com. See you next time.